hello. Welcome to our Power is Within podcast. I'm your host, Jasmine, and my mission for this podcast is to inspire you to take your power back and to realize that you are the healer that you have been looking for all along. We are all capable of healing in mind, in body, and in soul. Today's episode is brought to you by Jeannie Cohen Coaching. And in case you're not familiar with Jeannie yet, let me introduce you. She is a stress and mind body coach in LA who has appeared on this show several times. Her work involves not only a specialized focus on mind, body, and TMS healing, but also helping clients transform important aspects of life that feel stuck or overwhelming, such as careers, relationships, weight issues, confidence, purpose, life stressors, and more. You'll find her to be compassionate, action-oriented, and results-driven. You know, all the things that you need in a coach to create a meaningful change. And her holistic approach will help you make the changes that are important to you. And you'll walk away feeling empowered so that you can continue to create the life that you desire. One of the many things that makes Jeannie a terrific coach is that she's been in the trenches with her own health challenges, completely overcoming fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue that had left her physically and mentally depleted. Simply put, she just gets it. So. After healing herself completely, she is now laser-focused on delivering fast results to her clients through her one-on-one coaching program, which includes weekly support, consistency, and accountability. Book your free call today. It's a 45-minute session with Jeannie to help you learn more about the one-on-one program and fast-track your results. Go to JeannieColwin.com to book your call. That's J-E-A-N-N-I-E-K-U-L-W-I-N.com. Links will be in the show notes. And speaking of Jeannie, guess who our guest today is? (laughs) He is actually here to share his recovery story and Jeannie was his coach, which is so fun. So his name is Antonio Mills and he's been on his own healing journey and he was brave enough to come on to the podcast to share his recovery story with us today. As I already mentioned, his coach was Jeannie Colwyn. And today we talk about a bunch of things like how he decided on which coach was the right coach for him, how his journey to heal symptoms has turned into a journey of so much more, and how his healing has impacted his relationships, how he approaches life, incorporating joy, and all that good stuff. So as always, please enjoy. Antonia, thanks so much for being here with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, your first podcast. Woo! Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, we're just two people having a conversation, just like if I was like a family or friend and hadn't seen you in a while and I said, what you've been up to and you're just going to tell me a story like that. Sounds good to me. All right. So you are here today to share with us a recovery story. And as we know from, you know, me checking in with you offline, most of us, when we're sharing our recovery stories, it's not because we've arrived or we've at, we're at some final destination. We're always usually still on this healing and growth experience. And so what I want to do is kind of start by having you share what you primarily have been focused on healing and recovering from. And if you have had anything like that you've totally eliminated. And then if there's anything that kind of still shows a presence for you, we can start with that. And we're going to keep that brief for the fact that a lot of people who tune in, the symptom talk can be a bit triggering. 
But then the flip side is there's people who really like to hear what somebody has healed from so that they know what's possible for them. Awesome. Yeah. I don't mind sharing. For me, about two and a half years ago is when kind of symptoms started. And I know a lot of people on the journey, they can even pinpoint things happening, you know, way back. But uh, for me, it started with a numbness on one side of my body uh, or a lack of sensation. That was kind of the first symptom that I had. And for me, that was, you know, very scary. I think it started the fear in me and I developed more like I had really off temperature. So like I was feeling cold in my legs. A few months after that, my leg would be cold every single day to the touch and sensation wise, which I think scared me even more. And this is before I learned about TMS or mind-body healing. So I spent the first year with my symptoms in the medical type system, going to see doctors and really doing a lot of, I think, what a lot of people do when things happen, you know, going on Google and reading things that could link to uh, what I was feeling. A lot of things online were <laughs> were not very positive and <laughs> seeing different diagnoses. But I went through the medical system for about a year even going to Duke, their clinic or their hospital to get evaluated. And I actually didn't get a diagnosis. What I really thought, you know, with the lack of sensation I was looking at, I thought peripheral neuropathy, MS, some diagnoses out there that I was seeing. And then I remember this was the first symptom, but then as three to six months after the first symptom, I feel like more just added on. I started getting anxiety and overwhelm like from stress. And I think that was a big thing. I had really never experienced that in my life. It was like a lot of things piling on at once. So for six months to a year, it was just, I feel like I stayed in a high stress alert just from all that kind of coming together. And finally, I shifted. I still didn't really find John Sarno's work right after that. I kind of went more functional medicine and, and holistic, which I think people tend to do. So I went on a whole 30 diet, worked on a lot of things in that realm with supplements. And I felt my symptoms even got worse during that time. When you go a whole day, 30, I was really kind of expecting some kind of change because you hear so many things online. And I felt like I got worse and it, it was a big challenge for me to do that. Then, yeah, I finally, I think it was November of 2021. I heard the first podcast that kind of put the mind body in my radar, but I really didn't took me another two or three months before I really got into it. Yeah. Okay. What podcast was it? It was Nicole Sachs' Cure for Chronic Pain. This kind of reminded me, I started getting like a, a sharp pains in my leg all the time too. It was like, it would just happen all the time, like zaps and just pain. Like something was like a weight on my right leg and that pain, like, you know, had me doing all the MRIs and stuff. And I think thinking of pain is what brought me to Nicole Sachs' podcast. When you're searching, you know, pain, recovery, I don't know. And that's kind of uh, what brought me to that. Gotcha. So I'm going to recap on as far as like the symptoms. Yeah. You started out with this numbness essentially in your leg. Which leg was it? The right or left? It was the right. Right side. Okay. So you start out with this numbness in your right leg and that kind of sends you on a downward spiral where you kind of get into a fear state and then you start developing anxiety and overwhelm. 
And then you start also getting severe pain in your same leg, the right leg, right? Yeah. Oh, and prior to that, you also started getting weird hot and cold sensations like cold legs. I didn't want to get too into the symptoms. I had written probably like a year ago, like every symptom that I had. And there, so there were several more little ones. And it was kind of like the hot and cold that they presented themselves for maybe three months. And then they kind of shifted and they like went away. So they would become a focus and then they would like kind of move to the back of my mind. And But the ones that were that you stated are kind of the ones that have been persistent and, and um, you know. Yeah. Yeah. The prominent. Okay. And so you found Nicole Sachs as you were searching for pain and you never actually, like you said something about getting an MRI, but like, did you ever actually do anything where you would be able to rationalize an acute onset of pain that would justify it being like muscular that you would need an MRI for? No, I didn't have anything physical that happened, any physical trauma that would have kind of sparked it. Like I said, it was a year long type of testing from like skin biopsies. But the MRI was kind of like an MRI of my neck and spine because of the way that the presentation on one side. And that's kind of where I did the MRI of the spine, like even the top of the spine. That's kind of what. Gotcha. Okay. They were looking for like a pinched nerve or something. They even did one of my brain. Right. MS and stuff. So you found cure for chronic pain, but you came into the radar, but then you put it on the back burner. Then what caused you to go back and reconsider that this could be like mind-body symptoms and look further into it? I think after Nicole Sachs, maybe a month later, I heard it might have been John Strax and Alan Gordon on some type of podcast that they had. I think it was associated with Curable. I can't remember the name of the title, but they kind of you know, were looking into neuroplastic pain. And I think I, I ran across that. And then I like to do research in like the, the science type information interests me. So they kind of started explaining it from that angle. And that kind of made me curious. And then, yeah, it kind of okay. brought it back. And you ended up either, I don't know if you had like, did a group program or a one-on-one program or a one-on-one coaching, but you did get some coaching assistance to kind of help you navigate this TMS mind-body world in terms of supporting your healing, correct? That's correct. Yeah. I did one-on-one coaching with Jeannie. Colin, so. How did you find Jeannie and why did you choose Jeannie out of all the coaches in the world? Yeah, so I found Jeannie in February of 2022, so like about almost a year and a half ago. I heard Nicole Sachs in November, so February, I guess the beginning of that year, January, I kind of like started really ramping up in terms of my TMS knowledge, listening to a lot of podcasts. But I uh, one podcast that I connected with it was uh, Eddie's Mind and Fitness podcast, and I heard Jeannie on his podcast, she did a breath work, a mini breath work session. And I ended up tuning into that one. And that intrigued me. I think one thing that I like about the breath work itself is for me, I had a heart with an acute onset, not really any physical reasoning behind my symptoms. The breath work, as Jeannie explains it, gets into more of like you're releasing emotions and trauma kind of without. You don't have to really know where they're coming from, but you know, doing that type of healing or type of modality does that. So I, that really intrigued me. I was so confused about what was causing this, but I feel like this would be able to help. So that introduced me to Jeannie, and then I reached out to book some time with her, and we really connected on our first conversation. I had connected with a few other group coaching and one-on-one coaching. I think it comes down to fit, really, and timing. I was ready to make 
a commitment to something. But uh, when me and Jeannie had a conversation, we built some trust and I just also resonated with her story as well. So that's kind of why I chose to work with her. Yeah, that's awesome. So other than breathwork, because I'm assuming that was part of it, what were some of the tools or the modalities that she and you worked through together to help support you on this journey? So the cool thing was, like I said, I was at that point where I was ready to start doing the work. And prior to that, I was gaining, which a lot of people that are trying to, to heal and you know looking for resources, I was sinking in as much knowledge as I could at that point. So once I started working with Jeannie, it was the shift to doing actions. There was going to have to be some action behind just all the knowledge, at least on my part. So the nice thing about Jeannie too, I'll speak, that's a little bit different, that she doesn't just focus on TMS. She has the TMS background. But me and Jeannie went from you know conversations when I was you know a lot of pain and just really focused on the TMS. We would focus on that. But then there was other times, you know, we we got into relationships, money, relationships. So that's like with your spouse or your significant other, you know, your kids, your boss, you know, relationships are across the board. So how to stress from relationships. I think one key thing that I learned from Jeannie was having a relationship or using the word relationship when you're talking about time as well as money, because those two areas can be difficult for a lot of people to navigate, (laughs) not just people that are suffering from TMS. So I think being able to expand outside of just TMS was also something that drew me to Jeannie. And what I found out, you know, is getting into the body, different ways to get into the body. And there's a lot of ways to do that, you know, with our breath, meditation, somatic tracking, you know, so, you know, tried some different ones out. And then, you know, Jeannie also had some tools on, you know, ways that we can release certain emotions when we're feeling them once we get them into the body that I found really helpful. And then the other one, you know, everybody can call it differently, but, you know, getting outside of our comfort zone, Jeannie likes to call it our stretch zone, kind of getting me to get into a stretch zone so that I can get out of where I feel comfortable and that making choices to do things that make me feel uncomfortable. Starting doing that, I feel like also, you know, helps to teach our brain that things are safe when you're going through the process. Yeah, for sure. So you've been working with her for a while. We did an initial three months is how um, Jeannie does her programs. And after the three months, I had great results after three months. So we've been in touch after I stopped working with her. So I've actually haven't worked with her directly for about a year, but I've joined her breathworks. I think she offers breathwork and she's just starting to do it in person, but online, she has an online community for breathwork. So I've joined that, you know, maybe five or six times since we finished working directly together. So that's kind of how we maintain like a monthly connection. I check in with her. So that's been been good. And then do you still use some of the tools that you learned from her in those three months? I do. I do. I have expansive notes from when we work together. And that's kind of what I've found out as well. There's a lot of tools and modalities out there that people can find. If something specifically doesn't speak to you or doesn't work to you, like don't get discouraged. I was one of the people that needed direction. Like I was, <laughs> I, this go off in a tangent, but I was the person like when I found different things, like I would do them very strictly and regimented, trying to also incorporate with like sleep, nutrition. It was like a, becoming, you know, another job of types of things. So I'm like, yeah, meditating, taking cold shower, meditating for a certain amount of time. 
and things like that. And all of them are good resources. But I think what I found out as I was working through it and that I still kind of learn is I got to kind of feel what's in the moment. Like sometimes I'm starting to read, get back into reading books. Like I enjoy that kind of takes you away from the multitasking and all the different things you're going in, in the world when you when you read the book. So I'm starting to read. So sometimes I'll just, you know, if I'm needing some time to to just disengage or get away, I'll, I'll pull out the book and read just a few pages and that kind of can shift things. I love going out in nature and, and walking. That's one of my favorite and, and exercising. I We could get into it later, but I stopped, you know, I, huge soccer player, love to exercise. When I first started having symptoms, I stopped doing those activities that I loved and uh, getting back to doing them again also has helped. And realizing the things you love and the things that you find joy in life essentially are what's going to help you kind of get through this time. So, yeah. Yeah. And we tend to do the opposite, right? We get sick and we get scared and then we start making our life smaller by letting all these things go. But then we have to find our way back to actually finding the space and capacity to do those things that do really bring us that deep satisfaction and joy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You said you had a lot of results and benefits and healing happen in the three months you worked with her and then you've continued on this journey. Are you all the symptoms that we talked about at the beginning here? Are you symptom free now? Or are you still kind of have anything lingering or where are you at with your relationship with symptoms? Yeah, so I had a really good period where I didn't have that many symptoms for maybe six to eight months. I actually had some symptoms pop back up four months ago from now. I was telling Jeannie, which is a great result from my work. I actually got promoted right when we finished working together for a new job. I'm in IT sales. Um, so I sell IT equipment and I had a job that I was looking to go after and, you know, a certain salary. We, we discussed all that, you know, what I was looking for that. And right after we finished working, I, I got the job that I was looking at and started last July. I'm almost there a year. But then eight months ago, which speaks to how things have kind of gone in a, in a great direction. I got promoted in eight months within my role to handle more more responsibilities, which is great. But I think I was excited and it's kind of where I wanted to get. But I think once it like hit that I, I was in the new role and there was a lot of like learning, it kind of overwhelmed and stressed me. And I think that's what triggered more like there was a time where I wasn't sleeping. It almost felt like I was back in that, you know, not sleeping and then just having playing really small. So like when I wasn't sleeping, I would not want to go outside my comfort zone those days, not do exactly what I needed to do. I wouldn't do, do any more and just kind of go in that route. But today kind of just, I worked through that. It, it took me a little while. Currently, I feel good. The main symptom that still lingers is the lack of sensation and numbness, but it doesn't affect me daily. I still, I'm playing soccer, I'm running, I'm, I'm exercising. So it's good. Yeah. So you have a different relationship with it now, one that's not riddled by fear. It's more of an acceptance and you still get to like live life and not let it inhibit you. Exactly. That's exactly how it works. And then, yeah, while I was kind of in that rough patch, it was going back to finding things that, that, that bring me joy. And like, it kind of was crazy. Like it all kind of starts flowing again in the direction that you you kind of envision seeing things, you know, things become easier. And when things become easier, from a physical, mental, and emotional standpoint, there's a lot more possibilities. You can start seeing a lot more possibilities. Yeah. You and I talked slightly offline and we were talking about how at the time that you first got symptoms, you thought you were just really happy and everything in life was going really well. But it sounded like 
maybe in your experience working with Jeannie, it was brought to your attention or brought into the light that the onset of this downward spiral of symptoms wasn't random and that there could have been some things happening in your life that could have been, in a sense, a trigger that kind of you can now see the connection. Is that so? Yeah, for sure. I think if we think about COVID, I think that's one that that kind of comes to me. During that time, there was a lot of shifts that everybody had to make. But for me personally, like I was running, you know, my personal and family life and work life, I was, I had a lot that I was navigating and juggling. And definitely that could have triggered, you know, high stress. And I realized working with Jeannie that I I tend to repress and I, I don't express my emotions, I think is a common theme. But I realized how much I didn't express as well as how I, um, also didn't externally react to stress. I just kind of like, yeah, which is what repression is, but it was like, that was kind of the way that I handled it. But it also opened up more of my people-pleasing and perfectionism type personalities that I didn't really think that I had. But when me and Jeannie looked at it and, you know, kind of looked at it, what it was the reality, you know, I definitely like to make others happy. And I was putting myself last for everything like in COVID. So like I would shift my sleep schedule, do different things for work and for my family that wasn't healthy because I wasn't filling up my cup. And another thing I like to speak on is like I was living in autopilot, like is what I called it when I look back, the autopilot, just going through the motions, everything kind of is what it's what's going on. And I'm really not taking any time to be aware or to for time to myself. And just kind of letting whatever was coming at me and responding to it. And <laughs> yeah. So, in what ways have you helped improve your personal relationship with yourself and help support you to not go back into default, like super hyper perfectionist mode or super people pleasing mode? How do you support yourself to really, yeah, not live in those realms? For people-pleasing as well as perfectionism, I still, you know, I'm I'm working through that, trying to do my best to go kind of against that pattern. So for me, a lot of self-compassion as well as finding time to do things for myself. And that's kind of when I was, you know, really struggling. It was like, I want to say no and, and give boundaries that are not created by like my pain or my fear. And do those just because I say no to something because I don't want to do it and and stretch myself. So now I'm I'm doing better at doing that, finding time to do things that, that bring me joy, saying no to things that would bring stress or that I don't feel like I should dedicate time to. And then self-compassion is a big one that is part of when I'm finding myself trying to perfectionism or having an outlook the way I think something should go. And then not going that way, just giving myself compassion and I think the way that I that helps me is the lens of the way I do it for other people. So I am a people pleaser. Like it's easy for me to give compassion to others, but uh, if I kind of turn it around and think of how I would give compassion to others and do it to myself, it helps kind of when I'm struggling. So it's just more a continuous effort, just being aware and noticing when those traits show up, and then with like love and compassion, shifting out of them. Exactly, exactly. Like an example of something that was really, I was having a rough day pretty recently and just kind of not feeling 100%. And one of my buddies texted me and said, Hey, I got a soccer game tonight and we need somebody to play. And I know you've been 
I've been looking to try to get back to like regular play. I've been playing some, but uh, yeah, so it was kind of meant for like, it just like I needed to fill up my cup and I needed to do something like that for myself because I enjoy it and I, and I love soccer. So I went and did that. It was a lot of fun. Have you gotten buy-in or support from your wife? Like as you've been on this journey and everything that you were learning with Jeannie, have you been able to openly communicate with her and like ask her to support you through this process? Yes, that's definitely. I think I don't think I could do it without the support of my wife or my family. I think having that has been key for the difficult times because process can be very lonely. And for me being a younger male, I think it was difficult when... I was very active in terms of working out and having a schedule of playing tennis, soccer, and working out with a group of people pretty regularly before the symptoms came up. So I said no to the, a lot of that stuff when I didn't know what was going on. And that's the identity part where you know you identify with these certain things that are you're doing. And a lot of times this TMS journey and having symptoms physically, mentally, or emotionally can really challenge your identity or what you think your identity is. So going back to it, or sometimes it causes us to shift and find a new identity or, or new things that get rid of things that, that didn't serve us um, that we were doing. Yeah. So, I mean, I know personally, like we get into this journey and we think we hiring a coach or doing a program because we just want to get rid of these physical symptoms. And we quickly learn usually that it becomes so much more than just eliminating physical symptoms. Have you notice any other shifts in your life outside of the removal of some of these physical symptoms and like a reduction in overwhelm or anxiety, but like say an improvement in your relationships? Yeah, definitely. I think intention and awareness and certain words kind of come to mind, like doing things with the right intention. Because at the beginning, I remember working with Jeannie and like my intention, whether it was coming from the subconscious or like just from deep, deep down to hope, I want this pain to go. I want all these suffering to leave me and just shifting to, you know, especially when we're doing self-care or, or the tools or the different modalities out there, doing it because you want to. Because I know like when, when I first started, I was doing it as a laundry list of things that I thought might help and to go doing it with more intention is definitely Speaking of self-care, do you have any routines, like daily routines that you kind of commit to for your personal self-care nowadays? For sure. One thing that I, I always get out in nature, but not every day. I mean, I would say five times a week. I almost always, I work from home. So I take my lunch break. I usually dedicate the first 30 minutes and I'll just go out for a walk and just be out. I live in an area where I can get to nature, you know, within a five minute walk, very thankfully. So that's one thing that I do every day. And then the other things are not exercising and the other ones are not as consistent, but I, I usually do do some type of reading or meditating or breathing and kind of alternating and kind of just, and that's kind of where the journey has led me. It's like, I don't have to do meditating for 30 days straight. I can, you know, meditate a few days and then, you know, maybe the next day, I'll read in that that time that I block for self-care. But yeah, it's usually definitely in the mornings, I will do something before I give up, get up and gratitude just before. I know a lot of people talk about it, but intentional gratitude, either in the bed or like some when my eyes kind of wake up and then just kind of, you know, being thankful that I'm awake and those simple things can kind of help you your day. And, I, and I, yeah, it's easier when you're not, like I remember when you're really struggling and difficult, these types of, I felt like they were always 
unnatural, but then as things shift for you, it's a lot more natural. And so it's a lot easier to do them with the right intention and gratitude. I feel like I have a lot. I've always had a lot of things to be grateful for, but it's like, you know, actually doing it because you're grateful. Yeah. Being more aware of it and conscious of it now. Exactly. So you basically kind of set yourself a little block of time for your self-care and then day to day, it varies depending on what you feel like would really support you in that moment. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. And when you go on your little nature walks, I know you have two children. Do you go alone or do you ever bring the kids with? Yeah, definitely. uh, Especially in the, I'm in North Carolina. So depending on the weather, so spring and fall, we're always outside. The summertime, we have a pool very close by. So my kids love the pool and love swimming. But yeah, they definitely will join in that stuff. And even just my kids have been, have seen, like it was funny when I started making shifts, my kids can see it, my wife can see it, like people around can see it. And like, that makes you feel good. Like I remember like them just, and it's the innocent, like, yeah, even like just being present and aware and intentional, like catch myself actually like listening to my kids' conversations and being there for them. So that's just outside of nature walking walking, but we definitely go walk and I definitely have prioritized a lot of family time as well. And it's nice to do that in a way where I I know when I was really trying to figure a lot of things out, like I felt like I was always juggling. (laughs) I was always, it was like TMS, family and work and these three things that I had and I was trying to figure it out. And now I feel like I'm naturally all of them and then the TMS has changed more to like self-care and, and personal growth for myself. And I think there was a question that you asked earlier about kind of things that have shifted outside. But in the work front, I, I got a, into a company and into a role that I wanted to a year ago. Within eight months, I was promoted. And this role that I'm in currently, I have only been in it for four months, but I am already getting a lot of good feedback from my manager and people in in my uh, space that are giving me a lot of good compliments and just, I know w- next steps that I can take. So it's all been building that front as well, which has been good to, to see. Yeah, that's great. Congratulations. This might be, we'll see. It might be my final question before my real final question. You went through a period of overwhelming anxiety. Prior to that, you had your symptom onset. Prior to that, you thought you were living this beautiful, happy life. How today would you handle a really stressful situation differently than you would have three years ago, knowing what you now know? Yeah, I think changing the way I respond or relate to either an external or an internal stress and taking time because that was the hard part for me. It's just like, it's hard for most people to sit for 10 minutes in quiet. So I think just taking time before you respond or react to a a stress is helpful. And then also like, the biggest thing for me is there's always going to be external stresses. Like we're not going to get away from those, but just changing the way that not causing internal stress coming from the the habits of those perfectionism, the people pleasing, like not letting those take over. So then I have a lot more kind of in my tank and resilience so that I can handle things as, as they come. Yeah. And not let it lead to overwhelm again. Exactly. And like, yeah, emotionally expressing it, you know, and if I have a a feeling or an emotion to, yeah, try to process it. (laughs) Yeah. Good. Okay. Now I ask everybody this question and it is, if you 
had to spend the rest of your life only sharing one message with the world, what message would that be? And I want to preface, because I often do for people who have children. I think people, when they hear that question, because they're on here and it's a chronic illness and pain podcast, I think they always think they have to share a message that pertains particularly to chronic pain and illness. But really, I want you to think about if you could only impart one message into your children's life, like what would you spend your life teaching them and telling them? That's a great question. My kids are younger, but it would be deeper, but it's deep in the sense of like the overall meaning, but it, it's, you know, tell them to be themselves. I know when I talk to them, when you're a kid, you have aspirations of, I want to be a, an artist or, you know, we think of things we want to do. I try to facilitate and let my kids know that they can be whatever they want to be. They need to be themselves and to not put restrictions on that. And I think for me, as I've gone through the journey, aligning like a bigger purpose, so kind of where you find joy and then also, you know, if you can make money on on top of that, it kind of snowballs in a, in a really positive way. So I think being yourself and being true to ourselves, because a lot of times we will not be ourselves because we wonder what other people are going to think of us and so many things. So we hide a lot of our true self, but being your true self opens up so many more things than you can you know, think of. Yeah. Thank you. Are you on any social medias or anywhere that anybody can find you if they wanted to connect? I am very limited on social media, but uh, I'm, I am on Facebook, so you can find me on there. But uh, for the most part, uh, yeah, I don't use too much of the other social media. Just not my, my go-to mode of uh, <laughs> expressing myself. But definitely, um, if you want to connect with me there, that's awesome. Very cool. Any final parting words? I think we touched on it throughout the conversation, but just reminding people that there's a lot of information out there because there was a point where I was overwhelmed with the amount of information I was finding in TMS. So just trying things that's kind of speak to you. And there's so many great recovery stories. There's so many people that certain things have worked and not basing your journey on everything you hear or kind of almost like we tend to cling on to something and, and do that. And then trusting. I mean, there's a, a lot of like trust and you asked about my wife. My wife had the support for me. So like, just find people that are going to support you, whether it's a coach, group program, a therapist. I think there's a lot of resources out there, whatever speaks to you. I think me working with Jeannie, we connected and that was huge. I think when you trust somebody, connect with somebody, they can definitely help you through your journey, sharing what they have out there. So yeah. Awesome. Well, Thanks for being here with me, Antonio. I know it takes so much courage to be on the side that you are on and answer these questions and be vulnerable and share parts of yourself. And I admire anybody who has the willingness to show up and be on the side that you're on right now. So thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Friends, that is all we have for today. You can connect with Antonio if you have follow-up questions for him via Facebook. Link will be in the show notes. I truly hope that you got some new insights or inspiration from today's episode with Antonio. If you loved the weekly challenges that we used to do, they're going to be back. Follow and check in with the podcast, Instagram, Our Power Is Within every week to see what the new challenge will be and then participate however you see fit. Share on your story, send me a DM, message me privately, whatever you want. But I really hope that you'll join me in some fun weekly supportive challenges. P.S. 
If you find value in this podcast, I'm not sure if you knew yet that you could actually support future episodes for as little as 99 cents a month. There is a link to support the podcast in the bottom of the show notes. There's also a link in this week's episode to my current fundraiser campaign if you feel called to donate. All right, cheers, my friends. And until next time, make this week so great.